everybody. This is Busted Business Bureau. I'm Christian Borky. I make this entire podcast myself, and I also like groceries and rent. So if you want to help me pay for those things every month, you can toss a few bucks my way at patreon.com slash bustedbizbureau. Today, I have the guy I do dueling pianos with, a longtime friend of the pod. You've been on two episodes about food and sports. And now it's going to be about God. All right. <laughs> it's uh, Christian McCann. Hello. Christian, Christian, talking about Christian shit. Christian shit. <laughs> so you actually asked me to do this episode. Yeah. And tell right. me tell me why. Um, uh, I started noticing a lot of those uh, commercials about how great Jesus is uh, <laughs> that always end with. He gets us. And uh, at first I was... I was um, naively sure that I was like, oh, okay, well, it's just a Christian organization trying to push God on people again. And so I, the more and more I started thinking about it, it's like, there's, there's, it's never just that simple. There's got to be some corporations, some sort of uh, person putting the money behind that has ulterior motives. And uh, I happened to be in LA at the time visiting my sister and uh, we started looking into it. And uh, during the course of watching one football game, just doing like lazy Google searches, uh, we we were able to find that there there was nothing to find of where this money was coming from and the the mission statement was very vague and very hard to discover and that's when it became clear oh there is something bigger than just the simple message they're trying to put forth what is this and that's when i reached out to you saying hey you should find <laughs> out you know you will be both um I, I guess a little bit satisfied to find specific players in the game and also very disappointed because the whole point of this is that when you have a lot of money, you're allowed to move in silence. Mm -hmm. And that is what is frustrating about living in the place that we do at the time that we sure. do. But walk with me here. Yeah. In 1993, a historic commercial debuts. A man is answering a trivia question on the radio while sitting in his Aaron Burr-themed room. The trivia question is who shot and killed Alexander Hamilton in the famous duel. The guy is eating peanut butter when he's on the phone with the radio people. Uh-oh, his mouth is full. He can't answer intelligibly. The radio host can't understand him, and then they hang up, and he's depressed. If only he had some milk. I remember that commercial. <laughs> you do? Yeah, yeah. As you were saying it, I'm, I'm, at first I was very like, what happened to the guy? And all of a sudden I knew the end of the story. <laughs> I remembered it. So Got Milk is a marketing campaign that, well, I don't have time to get into the full details, is functionally an instrumentality of the state of California. California's Department of Food and Agriculture, as part of a wider federal trend, got funding from Californian dairy farmers to put together an ad campaign as a uh, way to get people to purchase more milk. Milk sales have been declining at the time, at the end of the 20th century. This is a fairly successful hoorah to get people back into milk. You know, this is before Oatly. Mm -hmm. So in 2023, yet another historic commercial debuts. Rag and Bone Man's low funky song, Human, is playing under pictures of increasingly modern-day politically divisive photos. There's an anti-vaxxer yelling at someone with a mask. No justice, no peace protester getting heated. People fighting on airplanes. It's just like pictures. A football player yelling at paparazzi. There's, it's punctuated by screeching and sirens wailing. Then it's a black screen. Then the caption, Jesus loved the people we hate. He gets us. All of us. I remember that Jesus. one too. Yeah. <laughs> this is during the Super Bowl. It was one of two ads they had during the Super Bowl. Over 100 million people watched this and they were like, was that a fucking ad for Jesus? Like you said. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, 
They have a garden variety of other ads. My personal favorite is the one where they call Jesus an influencer who got canceled. Uh. (laughs) You know what? Yeah. Like getting nailed to a piece of wood and dying by asphyxiation is the same feeling. Same exact thing. As getting yelled at by 14 year olds on Twitter. Yeah. Same thing that happened to Louis (laughs) C.K. Same exact. (laughs) Identical. (laughs) One could say he is a Christ-like figure. (laughs) I've heard it before. (laughs) So... This, he gets us, is not an instrumentality of the state of California for milk. Uh, He gets us is a marketing campaign, much like Got Milk. So there is no, like, he gets us um, 501c3 nonprofit. (laughs) It is just a campaign the same way Got Milk is, Mm. which did take me a long time to understand because I was like, this has to be like a company. Otherwise, how are they getting money for this advertising campaign? That's what I was thinking. Right. So... Who is paying for it and what is the goal here? Obviously, the questions you were asking. As it turns out, the answer to that question leads us down a rabbit hole where I had to research fucking tax law extensively. I hated writing this episode. It was so dumb. See, that's all the stuff we didn't want to do while watching that football game. (laughs) (laughs) This is too much for right now. Um, And while I was writing it, I was at um, the Dollop Coffee the other day and I got recognized. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And um, this person was like, oh, my God, I recognize you from your podcast. And so I told her exactly where I live. <laughs> you know, in case you want to come over. <laughs> Do you want to bring some cookies over or what? Like, are we are we hanging? <laughs> so shout out to Izzy. Like you were very nice. I'm sorry that I told you exactly where I live. <laughs> so, anyways, what is he gets us? We what we do know is it's the got milk of Christianity. A as a powerful political force in the U.S., recruitment for Christians can look like a lot of different things. And because I guess we live in a cultural desert, like, sure, an ad campaign for Jesus. Why not? Let's make him a hashtag. Uh-huh. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Who cares what we're doing anymore? But... Who are the California dairy processors of He Gets Us? That is an organization called the Servant Foundation. Is this something you stumbled on in your lazy Googling? No, I don't think we got that far. Let's go. So what is the Servant Foundation? What's so funny is when you do lazily Google it, like the first thing that comes up is a website that's like the Servant Foundation. Please note, we are not affiliated with He Gets Us. This is not the Servant Foundation that does He Gets Us. So they read our emails. They- <laughs> I think a million people are doing exactly what you did, and they're like, so who are you guys? And they're like, it's not us. (laughs) So the Servant Foundation behind He Gets Us does not have a website. In fact, all they have is an annual Form 990 that they post, and that's it. They don't have any sort of marketing, I guess, beyond He Gets Us, because they don't really want people finding them. That's exactly what we kind of ran into, because this was last January Mm -hmm. that I took this trip. That's why I remember the date. Um, we ran into uh, finding nothing. It was just like, there was like no bottom. Like mm-hmm. it, it was like, you know, dropping like a stone down a well. Like, you know, there's a bottom, but you never hear it hit, you know? And you're like, where is that? You want to know my favorite way of finding the bottom mm. is when you find out something is a nonprofit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Tell us. <laughs> yeah. The juicy, sexy secrets of finding the bottom is Googling X organization form 990. Because the like nonprofits have to file publicly their taxes at the end of the year. That's on like GuideStar. You can make a free account. You don't have to put your credit card information in, and then you could just find stuff. And I love reading a Form 990. I was typing in like Form 990 Schedule I because I know exactly what's on it. Ugh, it's horrible. <laughs> this has made me hate the English language. Yeah, that'll and, do it. And hate living in this country. So the Servant Foundation behind he gets us is doing its business as the signatory. So already we're like fucking three things deep. The Signatory is a donor-advised fund sponsor whose origin story is the following, quote, 
Our story began in the year 2000 with a simple but bold vision from our founders. Find a way to connect God's wealth with God's workers. The signature was created to meet this challenge. That's who, bold. Who is fucking saying this is a challenge? I'm like, you know what? God's wealth and God's workers, they are too far apart. They need to be closer together. Needs fixing. <laughs> Top priority. Put a, hey, number one on the list. <laughs> Can I tell you a story? Yes. This is not related to the signature. When I was in kindergarten and like I was going to church and stuff, they were like, when you get to second grade, you get to literally eat the body of Christ because it's like communion and stuff. I thought that they actually brought Jesus's body like around to churches and stuff. Really? Because they had this big like decorative sure. like chest or whatever. So I was like, that's where they put him. It's like he's Santa, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's coming to our church and our town and I get to eat him. Wow. That's funny. Um, when I was a kid, my dad's a vegetarian. So I was always kind of confused on uh, why he would eat the body of Christ on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the whole story? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should ask him that. Uh, oh yeah, next time I talk to him, yeah, the first thing on the on the list. <laughs> Isn't he the guy? So I'm about to put your dad on blast on the podcast. He's technically a pescatarian. Uh, yeah that that's <laughs> that that was it. Um, that was another thing. So it, there was a lot of cr- confusing things, I guess. You know, the body of Christ. How is that not meat? You know, if he's eating it on Sundays. There was also. Uh, Growing up, he always said he was he was a vegetarian, right? Um, and uh, but he would eat fish. So uh, when I got older and I went to college and all, uh, I learned that uh, you know one time I was talking to somebody and they said, "Oh, that's actually if you eat fish, it's a pescatarian." So the next time I saw him uh, and it came up in conversation, I said, "Oh, Dad, by the way, uh, I found out you're actually a pescatarian." He said, "No, I'm not. I'm Protestant." <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what that means. <laughs> Wait, if he's a Protestant, then he does literally believe it's the body? Uh, no, I was a kid, so <laughs> I was confused. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. it, uh, it's all coming back. <laughs> so, uh, back to the Signature's website. The Signature is now a global community that has facilitated over $4 billion in grants for nonprofits around the world. We are supporting discipleship and outreach efforts, Bible translations, cultural care, church plants, anti-human trafficking missions, student ministries, poverty alleviation, clean water initiatives, and so much more. As our story continues to grow, we are more united than ever in our pursuit of transformational generosity for eternal impact. Once again, I fucking hate the English language. That means that sentence does... I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I think I stopped listening. It's just white noise. It's like, I don't get it. (laughs) Literally, I don't get it. And it's like, when you are a church, I feel like it is not hard. And and I'm not saying the signature is a church, but like when you're doing Christian stuff, I feel like it's so easy to be like, we are giving clean water to this place that doesn't have clean water. That is an easy thing to understand. Our pursuit of transformational generosity for eternal impact does not fire any synapses in my brain and it confuses me and makes me a little mad yeah again just now when you said it again it's like it's <laughs> i saw i heard words coming out did not nothing <laughs> registered so what i'd like to explain is what a donor advised fund is please apparently it is pretty spicy in the nonprofit world what it is is rich people making money off of their money in ways that have never before like been how rich seen. people do how rich people do yeah Before we get to a donor advised fund, I'd like to take you through basic tax law. And this is more for me than it is for you because I have a child's understanding of the world. Someone needed to explain to me that Jesus wasn't coming to our church. I'm going to need the same explanation. Awesome. So we have taxes because as a species, we've agreed to live together in a society in exchange 
of a social contract. And the social contract is like, in exchange for you being a citizen, you get to be protected by the military. You get to move freely to live wherever you want in this country. You can have a justice system where if someone steals from you, you can go to some other guy and be like, he stole from me. Can he give it back? And that is how society works. So in exchange for all of this, you pay taxes so that we can have those sort of services. You get to pay a little bit out of your paycheck so we can have roads, schools, hospitals, mm-hmm. shit like that. That's why we have taxes. Um, so if we all contribute money for the public good, these goods will be funded. We've also decided that if you make more money than somebody else, you should pay more money to the government to make all those things happen. Let's say you make $10,000 a year. You're only paying 10% of that to the government. If you're making over 600000 a year, you're supposed to pay like 37% of that to okay. the government. So the question that many rich ask themselves is, how can we avoid that? <laughs> how can we not give our right. 37% to keep schools and roads and shit like that? Uh, because most people do not like the government, especially the rich. Sure. It is an institution they despise. So the game that they've decided to start playing is charitable giving. Because in theory, if you give a bunch of your income to charity for like something that gives clean water to Flint, Michigan, then you are doing the government's job just with extra steps. Oh, that's how that works. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. You do. And this is like, this is, isn't even starting the game that rich people play. But like, if you give a certain amount to charity, it's like, okay, well, you fulfilled your part of the contract. So we're only going to tax you on like, let's say you make $600,000 a year. You donate a hundred thousand of it. We're only going to tax you on 500,000 of those dollars because that first hundred thousand you've committed to public good. Sure. So God bless you. Good for you. You, you did your job. Um, there is no equation. I tried to like noodle it out where like if you donate a certain amount, then you're taxed at a lower bracket and then you wind up saving money on the deal. No such equation exists. Okay. So like there is no way to cheat the system just on like I gave my money to a charity and now I'm taxed less and I've actually saved money like as if I didn't donate. You know, like there's no way to game it like that. Yeah. So that is not the point of where we're going with this. Um, the point is the kind of charitable giving you can do can wind up making you or your family more money in the long run. And this is where donor-advised funds come in. Because let's say you do want to save money and you're completely nefarious. You don't want to give it to charity. Fuck them, kids. You want to keep it just in the family. You could do one of two things. You can start a private foundation like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Okay. And you can make yourself the CEO of this private foundation. It's just a nonprofit, except you don't have to file a public Form 990. You can just be like, we're a private charity. We are doing like you know good works and stuff. I'm the CEO of it, so I have to make a certain amount of money, um, which also we can get through donations to myself. Whatever. Like, it's a lot of work to start your own private foundation. And a lot of them do a lot of public good. It is just very cumbersome to have to fill out all that paperwork and like actually execute on doing charitable stuff. It's annoying. Sure. What you can do if you would like to stockpile your money somewhere else is open a donor-advised fund. So what is a donor-advised fund? Walk with me here. Okay. It's like a bank account, okay? Yeah. You approach a company like the Signatory, okay? And you say, look, I want to do some good for the world with my money. I'm going to open a fund with you, and I will put a million dollars into this fund right now. And because it is through you guys, you have legal control over it. So once that money is out, like you've taken a million dollars out of your bank account, you cannot take it out of this donor-advised fund. It's not like you could say, I'm getting a car. Can I have 50000 of that back? No. It belongs to the signatory now. Oh, it's there forever. It's there forever, okay. yeah. Um, and the signatory is a nonprofit organization uh, that has legal control over your money. But the way that this is set up is you have to tell them how to spend your money. 
So you have to be like, well, I would like my money to go to this specific church because I really like this church. So take 60000 of my money and put it to that church. And they have to be like, okay. So they legally control the money, but you do decide where it goes. Okay. And so what is uh, also super special about donor advised funds is you actually never have to tell them a time to spend your money. You can keep it there for forever. Okay. Yeah. There is no time period in which you have to, there's no like a deadline to give your money, but you get a tax break immediately from this donation. So even though your money has not gone to any public good, you still get the immediate benefit as if you gave a charitable contribution. Do you understand? Uh, Yes. So it's a super easy way to save some fucking money. Right. But you may be wondering, well, that money is gone. You don't control that money anymore. But let's say in 10 years, your daughter wants to start a nonprofit going to like Africa and improperly taking care of Ugandan children. Okay. You can fully just write a grant for her nonprofit so she can just do that. Out of the money that you already invested. Yeah. In that donor advised fund. Mm -hmm. What a lot of people will do, though, they'll say, you know what? I'm going to put a million dollars in this donor advised fund, and I don't want to spend it immediately because it is an investment account. Like, it will continue to grow. You are banking with that money. Or, like, a bank is using that money. It accrues interest over time. So that's how they're gaining a profit. Mm. Okay, I was wondering. Yeah. All right. So, they invest your money. They make more money off of it. So your account continues to grow. They make a little bit on the deal. And you can spend that money however you like. That is what a donor advised fund is. Have you ever heard of this before in your life? Never. Oh my God, me either. And it was exhausting to read about. I don't know if I've explained it in a way that you understand, but this took fucking weeks and so many dumb YouTube videos. To yeah, try. I can imagine. I think I understand it, but I, I can see how it's like, I, I have like now like the condensed understanding of something that seems like a lot of research to fully grasp. <laughs> and I barely grasp it. <laughs> I'm on like duct tape and peanut butter right now. <laughs> <laughs> duct tape and peanut butter. You never heard that. That's my favorite morning show. <laughs> I can't wait for you to start your morning show. Oh, me neither. It's coming. It's coming so, once you, I went completely off script to give you that explanation because like I did write all that down, but now I have to find where the fuck I am in this script. <laughs> So you want me to sing a song? Like, oh my god! I, I don't really want to. I'm just joking. That's so funny. You're like the third person in a row to be like, should I sing? Really? <laughs> Did the other two people sing? No, nobody is sang. Well, I'm gonna keep that going. <laughs> I even got a couple comments being like, I love when people sing on your podcast. <laughs> what was this? I I had a I had a song the other day about pumping your tires up. <laughs> I would have sang that if I can remember the the lyrics. <laughs> it was going a- down to Rockville, pump your tires up. That wasn't it, but <laughs> that could be one too. <laughs> Let's go to Rockville. <laughs> I like how not only was the title ta- the town title wrong, the yeah. melody was wrong, and the purpose of the song was wrong. Everything was wrong. Y- you know what Rockville is? It's the name of the people that make our monitor speaker that we use during. It's <laughs> 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 the first town that popped in my head. Oh yeah! Speaking of our dueling piano show, you can go see it at uh, several bars around Chicago. You can follow at CNC Dueling Pianos on Instagram. Anyways, the signature legally controls your money. It is under their name when they do wind up donating it and not yours. So let's say you have a particular penchant for donating to anti-LGBT charities, but you don't want people fucking finding that out about yourself. That's okay. Nobody will ever find out it was you. Because again, you've given your money to the signatory oh. and you've said, I want to donate to this hate group. That's under the signatory's name, yeah, not yours. And there is no <laughs> like transparency. They, when it, yeah, they can't trace to see no. who... F- why 
because that's how our tax law works right now. That's insane. And it's a relatively new trend for rich people to start doing donor-advised funds. Like, it's kind of in the last 20 years. It's become really, how did a Vox just, there was a Vox article that described it as en vogue for, like, rich people to use donor-advised funds. Did did you see anywhere in your research if that's because it was new 20 years ago, or is it just something that was always overlooked by rich people, and suddenly one day somebody figured out and the rest were like, oh, that's a good idea. That is such a good question, and I don't know. It didn't come up in the research. It did not. Yeah. Okay. But I know Larry Page has had one for 20 years, so he had it before everyone else jumped on the boat. And also, we have more and more billionaires. There are more people who are like, I literally don't know what to do with my money. Yeah. And so I think that's also part of the trend is like, now we have more uber rich and so many more uber poor people. But like now more rich people have to find out like scams and shenanigans to like yeah. keep their money just like within their control. So huh. isn't that interesting that it's completely anonymous, but... The part, and we'll get to this later, but the part that is public about a donor-advised fund is how the signatory spends the money. So you can look up exactly how, like what groups the signatory is donating to. You just don't know who asked them to do that. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So one particularly hilarious example, I just mentioned his name, Larry Page. Um, this is how he sort of games the system. He runs the Carl Victor Page Memorial Foundation. That is a private foundation. It's not a donor-advised fund. Private foundation. Okay. Because it's a private foundation, it legally has to spend 5% per year on, like, stuff. You have to actually prove that you are doing public good (laughs) with your charity. You can't just, like, pay staff 100% of the money. Um, So, 5% has to go to something else. Do these places, do do they have big staffs? Yeah. Or large staffs? Um, And and so, are they paid similarly to, uh, like, uh, to non-for-profit businesses? Yeah. Okay. So... You can't just spend 100% of the foundation's money on staffing. According to Vox, in 2017, they'd spent about $900,000 on actual, um, like, nonprofits. They donated, like, 1000 to the American Cancer Society. They donated a bunch to this organization that was giving out free flu shots in Oakland. Stuff like that. So they spent about $900,000 on, like, real nonprofit stuff. This private foundation. Mm. But they have an endowment of, like, $3 billion. And to get to that 5%, you've got about $100 million left to go. Yeah. So what did they do? <laughs> they took all of that money and just put it into a donor-advised fund that Larry Page also controls. Wow. Because that is technically public good, because it's technically charitable giving. So they just took money from one place and put it somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, like, like you do. Like you do. Yeah. And so Larry Page is not himself making money on the deal, but now he is like he doesn't have to pay those hefty fines or fees or taxes from not doing the 5% thing for this foundation. And he has full control of what charities he does want to spend that money on. He just has longer of a time, I guess, to figure it out. And it can wind up benefiting him in the long run, you know, like if it, through various reasons. There are very few private foundations who do it that egregiously. Like, there are very few private foundations who donate $180 million to themselves. Um, so it's not like all rich people are doing this. But the point is we don't have a lot of transparency and we don't know how many are necessarily doing it. It really sounds like it's a lot of work just to have a lot of money and figure out what to do with it. That alone sounds like a whole job. It is. Mackenzie Scott, Jeff Bezos' ex-wife, she donated like $5 billion in 2020 to charity. She's trying to, quote, empty the safe. And she still made money. Like, she's got Amazon stock that's going through the roof, especially in 2020. Sure. She can't get rid of it fast enough as much as she tries. Like, you literally cannot. (laughs) Wow. And so 
the banal reality is most rich people spend their money just putting it somewhere else and then like forgetting it. Okay. <laughs> like they, j- it just sits there uselessly. That is honestly what a, l- a lot of critiques of donor advised funds are. One in every $8 donated to charity winds up in a donor advised fund today. Um, and then it just does nothing after that. Like it's just sitting in an account accruing more money for dot, dot, dot the future. Sure. Where do the other seven out of the eight go? No, I assume nonprofits. But okay, like, it, it's like a one of those quick little facts they give you about donor advised funds. Mm. It's like one out of every dollar goes to a donor advised fund. Gotcha. Oh, okay. So, um, again, Larry Page, super uncommon example, but it still gets to the growing frustration of donor advised funds, especially as they become more popular with Silicon Valley giants. And that's the general critique of donor-advised funds from a secular lens, right? Like, they sit there doing nothing but accruing interest over time. You can pretty easily use them to benefit yourself. There are hardly any federal regulations on them. They're completely anonymous, et cetera, et cetera. These are the critiques of DAFs. Okay. But we started this episode with He Gets Us, which is a Christian one. Yeah. And so I want to spend this episode giggling about Christian-specific donor-advised funds. Yes. Because they're so hilarious and so evil. It's not like, ha-ha, funny. It's just like, yeah, well... (laughs) (laughs) because secular secularly speaking it is pretty bad i guess to keep your money sitting in account in perpetuity and not donate most of it but christians get to frame this as like an almighty calling and when they do donate their money oh god they choose some really interesting places to give them so again by virtue of the signatory being a nonprofit, they file that form 990 every year so you can see exactly how they spend their money in the year of 2022, they had over $1,365,380,337 just in assets, which good for them. They're really getting after it. Mm-hmm. Where, are their donator, or where are their donors choosing to spend some of that dough when they do? So if you scroll down to Schedule I and you scroll down to 58, you will find that they, fa- they donated $15,641,000 to the Alliance Defending Freedom. Have you heard of them? I have not. So, you know how we don't have abortion anymore? (laughs) Yeah, I've heard of that. So, what had happened, like the Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, what had happened like in that case is the Mississippi State Legislature had passed a law being like, we can't do abortion after 15 weeks. They passed it. And the only remaining abortion clinic in the state, Jackson Women's Health Organization, sued the state of Mississippi. They said, you can't do that. This gets like up and up to the Supreme Court, where eventually the Supreme Court is like, actually, yes, Mississippi can do that. Uh, it's up to the states. You're done. The people who had drafted that law in the first place, who had given it to the Mississippi State Legislature, were the Alliance Defending Freedom. It's a Christian legal advocacy group that will like literally draft laws and just give it to legislatures and be like, Christians really love this shit. So the Alliance Defending Freedom <laughs> is writing laws to take away freedoms, is what you're telling me. Well, it's the freedom of the unborn to not be... Uh... Oh, so it depends how you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Famously, the unborn. Yeah, okay, the, sure. The voiceless. Yeah. <laughs> and... They are a very powerful political force. I don't have time to get over how powerful, but like every new anti-transgender bill that's coming up, basically they've penned it. And they again, the signatory has given them $15 million. That's kind of small potatoes for them. They are so powerful. It is crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, they're very silly. 
Uh, the Family Research Council and the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. All words that make fucking no sense. Uh, they received together a- around $2.5 million. And they're two separate organizations. Okay. What do they do? No idea. <laughs> well, you didn't do your homework? I'm really hoping you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so, as I found out, this is kind of separate from donor advised funds. It is perfectly legal for a church to start a separate arm and, like, call it a different thing that just does political advocacy. Okay. Like, churches, by law, are not supposed to do political advocacy or, like, campaign uh, uh, Yeah, I, I think I remember when I was a kid hearing something about them supposed to be separate. <laughs> you would think. Yeah. Um, but the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission is the political advocacy arm of the Southern Baptist Church. And they are just allowed to do that because it's like a separate nonprofit or whatever. And God, I lost my fucking train of thought. And I was hoping that I would get it within the sentence. But I'm sweating so badly right now. I have a, a sweater on and it's uh, kind of hot in here. And I feel beads of sweat like dripping down my entire side. You was that it? was that your train of thought? Maybe because if it was, you're right back on. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever get beads of sweat that big? Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, but usually not sitting, um, (laughs) in a chair. (laughs) I'm not wearing a sweater though. You know, um, if I was, I probably still wouldn't have beads of sweat though. Do you get beads of sweat from your, I thought I was dying the first time this happened to me when I was 16. Beads of sweat? What do you, like? Like a giant droplet of sweat that rolls down your arm. Yeah. Yeah. Like if if it's hot and it's summertime and I'm outside, yeah, it happens all the time. I, I think... It was just like a very puberty moment. Like before it would just get kind of like moist or whatever. Maybe I just never sweated that bad. Mm-hmm. But then it happened to me in math class and I thought it was bleeding. So I was oh, like, really? yeah, I was like, why is there so much just pouring out of me? Why is my arm crying? <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what happened to me. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah. Churches can just make a different organization. Okay. The most egregious one is the Family Research Council. They've been defined as a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is like a nonprofit that designates hate groups or not. Like Wait, a, who's the hate group and who designates them? The Southern Poverty Law Center designates hate groups. Okay. Like it's a pretty famous nonprofit that is an authority on the subject. The Family Research Council has been defined as a hate group. Okay. Also, s- same with the Alliance Defending Freedom. I forgot to mention that. They've also been defined as a hate group. Wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is completely unrelated, but in like 2010... Uganda had drafted this anti-homosexuality bill that threatened to like put people to death if they were gay. And Congress was trying to decide whether or not they were going to publicly condemn it. And so they were passing a law saying, we will condemn this Ugandan law. The Alliance Defending Freedom uh, heavily lobbied against them doing it. <laughs> okay. And it's like, all right, guys. And they were like, well, it wasn't because of the death penalty thing. Like, that's wrong. But like, you know... They just shouldn't be saying that LGBT rights are human rights. Yeah, it wasn't because of that. But, you know, if they're going to do it, we're not going to, like, it's not really our place to say, you know, but (laughs) (laughs) officially it's not because of that. Literally. (laughs) So anyways, they've both been defined as hate groups. Anyways, the Family Research Council uh, has now identified itself as a church affiliate. They used to be like some public policy fucking nonprofit organization. They are now technically a church. And because they're technically a church, they have to spin off their little public policy arm as a family research council action. They have all of the same employees 
and they have the same president who fails to delineate when he is part of one group or the other when he's, for example, advising President Donald Trump or when he's speaking at large political rallies. Um, He could be speaking on behalf of the Family Research Council Church, or he could be speaking on behalf of their political policy arm or whatever. You never really know which one he's doing. And it's completely legal for him to do so. (laughs) It does. I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't fucking matter. Like, nobody cares, I guess. It's the Christian right. People love them. <laughs> they oh get to do yeah, they want. right. Well, yeah. Once they once they uh, hook on to some, or once they latch on to somebody, it's it's that's they can do no they can do no harm. Do you think he ever gets confused when he's talking, <laughs> representing one or the other? Of like you know, like people that live double double lives. You know, they have like two wives or whatever, and like then they'll like call the wrong one the other's name, you know, or something. I'm assuming. <laughs> I don't have experience in this. I was just gonna say, it seems like uh, you didn't say my name in the beginning of this, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I said the di- I said a different person's name. <laughs> oh, good. Um, no, do you think here? Uh, okay, yeah, probably. <laughs> Answered your own question there. Yeah, I think he probably does. Yeah. So I spent a long time trying to understand exactly what I wanted to explain and argue about donor advised funds. On the one hand, Christians do effectively use them as funding tools for their continuous um, agendas, shall we say. But on the other hand, like the main argument of donor advised funds is that they're fucking useless and they don't do enough. So on the one hand, Christians use them too effectively. And on the other hand, donor advised funds are also useless. You know, it's kind of this like double um, standard thing. And I think where I've landed in my own brain is that the Christian right is so powerful. I've read like two books about this, so I can't say I'm an expert or whatever. But from the two books I've read and from the general living in society in 2023, the Christian right is a wildly uh, powerful political group. And even a sliver of like their donor advised funds going to whatever is still more powerful than like most of what I can imagine spending my own money in my entire lifetime. You know, like even them doing something that's mostly useless is still more powerful than like people trying their entire life to try and do something. Yeah. They've been around for a while. Yeah. They've had some time to save that cash up. Yeah. So them tossing small potatoes at the Alliance defending freedom, still very powerful, but to them it's like, ah, we're already that powerful. Like whatever. (laughs) So I think that's how I've arrived in my head to understand this. Are you following me on this? Mostly. (laughs) I am barely understanding it myself. So this is so frustrating to write. Okay. So anyways, the growing influence of the Christian right topic too big for this podcast, but the books I would recommend are God's Own Party, The Making of the Christian Right, and One Nation Under God, How Corporate America Invented Christian America. Both really good books. Wow. Isn't that a very great title of a book? Yeah. It's, yeah. It, yeah, I want to read it. Yeah, so my podcast is just about one tool that allows wealthy people, specifically wealthy Christians, to advance their agenda or just to hide their money. Whatever fucking works for you. Anyways, part four, I guess. (laughs) I have not been delineating parts to you, but to me, this is part four. (laughs) Most of the money in donor-advised funds does, in fact, do nothing. Christians are uniquely hilarious, though, because they will justify the chunk of their money doing nothing by saying that it... (laughs) It will someday, like when they're dancing with God in the eternal life. Um, they are all about someday. Yeah, <laughs> They are so about someday. Yeah, you talk to any of them, they're like, yeah, but you know, the someday. I want to read you a quote from David Green. He's the guy who runs Hobby Lobby. Have you ever been to a Hobby Lobby? I have. 
Can you explain to me Hobby Lobby? I've never been to one. Uh, it's it's just uh, it's a store that sells everything you would need for you know whatever whatever hobbies most people are into. You know, like building um, model airplanes or uh, they have a lot of art supplies. You mm. know, um, a variety of super glues. <laughs> it's a lobby for hobbies. It, you know what? A very well named store. I. Okay. Uh, no, say. No, no, no. I, I want to wait and find out first. <laughs> I want to get your opinions on David Green before I read you the quote from him. I, oh, you don't want to know. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> he and I go way back. Um, he is the guy who runs Hobby Lobby. He is like a billionaire at this point. It's a very successful business. He hammers home, though, that it is a Christian company with Christian values, even though he also brags about paying people pennies overseas to like make all the products and then sells them at a higher rate. And then he's like, that's how the business is so successful. Like We could just pay people pennies to make it. And then... <laughs> We pay like our, you know, they, their minimum wage has gone up to like $13 an hour at Hobby Lobby, something that's like pretty good for most of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that way, like, yes, it is a Christian company, but then like they really do just yada yada over the overseas part, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is hilarious. I love Christians. Whatever. I don't have the time. There's this glowing Forbes article about him, about like his business sense and he maintains his Christian values and blah, blah, blah. In particular, he enjoys giving to causes that spread the Bible and its teachings and the promise of eternal salvation. So here's what he has to say. For me, I want to know that I have affected people for eternity. I believe I am. I believe once someone knows Christ is their personal savior, I've affected eternity. I matter 10 billion years from now. I matter. Someone that does all this business stuff doesn't matter. I'm sorry. It's gone. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know where to start with this. (laughs) The 10 billion years from now, great number. 10 billion, yeah. Of all, that's (laughs) So what were you going to say about Hobby Lobby before? Oh, it, it's it, it doesn't matter anymore. Uh, <laughs> All this, it's gone. It's, it, the thing you're going to say is not going to matter 10 billion years from now. It's not going to matter 10 billion years from now, and it didn't matter 10 minutes ago either. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this is how so many Christians I know, or at least I knew growing up, like would speak. It was nuts. There was one time, this is a completely separate story. I was in class junior year, and this is before marriage equality was legalized right it was like a few months dare i say before it was and this guy his name is kevin barry i'm putting him on full blast on the podcast he was saying he's like a teacher in the class and he's like listen i'm playing devil's advocate here clearly saying his own beliefs if we change the definition of marriage to two people who like want to join a union or whatever what's the what's going to stop people from doing three or four or their dog or whatever and then this other chick, Marley, in class, like, stands up and goes, the number two. That is what stops it from being more than two people. <laughs> and it's like, he, this man is going fully in front of a class of teenagers so bravely and saying all of these insane opinions and being like, and now you will be graded on my opinions. <laughs> wow. That's kind of how religion class was. Did you have religion class? Like when oh, you were- plenty. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were you a troublemaker in religion class? No, no, I wasn't really that much of a, I wasn't, I, I guess if I, if I was any sort of troublemaker, it was a behind the scenes troublemaker, you know, like mm. I, I was very quiet. I, I didn't really want to do too much to get noticed, but I would do, um, you know, I, I would do things that I knew were kind of like the, it was a long game, you know, like, um, 
I would do things that weren't noticed for a while. And then when they were, nobody knew who it was, but it was me. You know, cause I didn't want the attention. Did you do like pranks? Um, you do pranks to this day, which yeah, is why I ask. I, 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 and I'm sure I did, and I, but I, I'm anticipating a follow-up question of what they were, and there's no way I can <laughs> think of it right now. But like the only things that are popping into my head are like little things like, you know, like misbehaving in little ways. Like I had this English teacher that was a little aloof and I did terribly in his class because I was always skipping his class. I was finding ways to get out of it, writing fake passes, et cetera, you know. Um, so I had a terrible grade because I hadn't turned anything in the entire uh, semester. And so right before the semester was over, uh, a buddy of mine and myself, we had, a, we had a thing going on where one of us would distract him while the other would go to his computer and change our grade what? in his computer. Um, knowing that it was like last second and he's not going to find it in time because he'd already done the, you know what I mean? <laughs> so like little things like that, like little things that I, you know, like I'm causing trouble, mm-hmm. but you'd never know. Yeah. One time they reminded me of a story of one time I had this online homework assignment and it was like a questions to get you thinking, you know, it's like a bullshit homework assignment and it was in religion class. And the questions were like, if you're a Catholic and you're on the Titanic and there's an old lady and a baby, like, who are you saving? And there's no right answer. It's just supposed to like, from a Christian perspective, what are you supposed to say? Yeah. And one of the questions was like, you have a gay brother who's getting married and you get invited to a ceremony. Do you go? And so I was a senior in high school at this point, And I was like, first of all, it's legal for him to do that. And second of all, this question is asinine. Like, fuck you for saying it. And this is like an online homework assignment that I turned in, expecting her to not read it. And then, of course, she read it. And she calls me after class. And I'm standing there like, listen, lady, I'm 18. (laughs) I, like, know where I'm going to school. You can give me an F in this class. I don't give a shit. Like, I already don't want to be here. And she's like, this is like a really, really awful thing to say to somebody. Like the the things that you said in this homework assignment. I was like, that's too bad. And then she she like starts having a breakdown. She goes, my sister's a lesbian. And I was like, oh, okay. Hold on. <laughs> now hold on. This this assignment did not have your name on it. This had my name on You're it. Right. I, didn't I was what speaking I, yeah. directly well, to you. Yeah. It's uh, all right. Well, okay. Well, so. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what do you say at that point? It's like, yeah, okay. Uh, can I go? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I said what you said. It was a real head scratcher. I was like, oh. Yeah, I, especially in that situation. What do you say back to a teacher? You know, you don't. You don't have the. You're not equipped mentally, or you know. To, uh, all right, great. I, yeah. I was barely equipped mentally to eat food. Yeah. Or, right. <laughs> or find or talk to people. I was not equipped for a, a conversation at that level of. Um, emotional maturity. Yeah, I think, and also when you're asking about the troublemaking, um, I think when 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 I was young, I was in so many. We religion was such a weird thing in in my household growing up, and mm. we were always in religion classes, and we went to church three times a week, and we were in the youth group. We went to the camp over summertime. You know, it was just it was God, God, God all the time, and um. So I think it was like religion class was the only one you didn't really act up in, except for that one year that we were Catholic. When, <laughs> when it seemed like the we had this teacher, Sister Marie Gerard, and she ruled. <laughs> she was the best. Oh, and it seemed like she didn't care at all about she cared less about religion than we did. You know, <laughs> like she had already like she had been through it already. She's like. I see the bigger picture. She's like, listen, I'm already this far in. I'm going to stick with it. You she know? entered the void. Yeah. It was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, 
honestly some of the religion teachers we have are pretty cool um and none of them i guess like that's the thing though too like when i was growing up the religion classes we had like the camp i mentioned like it was like a cowboy camp where you rode horses and they're like you got to shoot a bow and bow and arrow and like go to the general store and use like your nickels to buy candy you know or whatever (laughs) were you on kid nation (laughs) is that what basically (laughs) and it it rocked you know so you're gonna be like yeah jesus is all right with me you know like i i understand the doobie brothers song i get it (laughs) i love the hook let's go <laughs> that's great um you know what good for you for having that experience yeah it honestly wasn't bad no yeah you're like oh maybe i'll hit jesus up again right well that's that's how they got us you know they were like hey listen you can shoot a bow and arrow and once a week we're gonna give you wine and when you're 11 you're like <laughs> hell yeah i'm in i'm showing up where is it i can wake up that early that's fine <laughs> oh man i w- I like that story so much, and then all I wanted to do was tell you a bunch of depressing ones that I had. <laughs> like, you guys didn't go trauma bond in the woods? <laughs> no, we had bonfires. <laughs> Damn, that sounds fun. We had trauma bonfires. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, we literally... Okay, I guess in the spirit of trauma bonfire, when I went on Kairos when I was 16... Did you ever go on Kairos? No. Oh, God, it was awful. It was like you... And it was all like 16-year-olds, and then the couple 17-year-olds like leading the trip, and... One of the 17-year-olds gives a lengthy, tearful speech to everybody, being like, my mom is mean to me. And then you all break off individually. You wander around the woods. And then you all come back in, like, small groups together with the 16-year-olds. And you're like, my mom was mean to me, too. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I, I don't, Yeah, we never did that sort of thing. Because I think if somebody was like, my mom was mean to me, we'd all be like, yeah, your mom was mean to us as well. <laughs> <laughs> all but, of our moms are mean to all of us. All right, let's just go. Let's go to the bonfire. Like all, and then... So after night one, night one was adoration where we all, it's like three in the morning because they like don't let you sleep on this trip. You barely eat. They don't tell you what time it is. You don't, you're not allowed to have your cell phone. They tell you like you eat in this much time and they like put their hands together or like far apart. It was, oh yeah, it was terrible. How is that an increment of time? Like it's this much time you'll get to eat or like this much time until you sleep or like whatever. Oh, right. So I just want to say you did just hold your hands up and show me a small and like bigger, but still. Yeah. How is that supposed to be under, understood as an increment I, of time? I think you are supposed to be hungry and confused. I spent a lot of the trip very hungry and confused. So it's after, you know, you did a, after the trauma bonfire, I guess. Um, we all get in this small cabin that's only lit by candles. And we're all on our knees. And Father, should I say his name? Uh, I'll, I'll spare him. I'll spare him that. I'll, I'll forgive his name. I'll say Father Tom. Whatever. Father Tom gets up there. Mind you, on a previous trip, uh, he talked extensively about how he struggles with temptation of young women's skirts at this Catholic school. Anyways, unrelated. Why are these people bringing all this up to you? I- <laughs> <laughs> what is, what is just open book day for everybody it all the time? It literally is. So Father Tom gets up and he's like, you're all on your knees. I want you to look into Jesus's eyeballs and beg him for forgiveness. And then like on the PowerPoint, it's like this bloody like Mel Gibson-y photo of Christ. And like people like two at a time go up to this altar and they're like screaming, crying. There's an acoustic guitar playing off tune in the background. And like, it's like three in the morning and everyone's hungry and they're all having this like transformational experience of like seeing his light and begging him to forgive them for yelling at their mom Jesus. (laughs) so i'm looking around kind of like waiting to make eye contact with someone like am i the only one who's a little like well you're supposed to be making eye contact with jesus (laughs) (laughs) i didn't look into his eyeballs that's where i went wrong (laughs) and like i went on this trip trying to understand because i was like i'm sick of being the only atheist and i hate having to be depressed about dying all the time i would like to believe in god (laughs) this will do it this will do it because People come back from that trip and they like, they used to be staunch atheists and now they play in the church band. Like it's that 
successful of a trip. So I was like, fuck it. Yeah, I'll go on this one. I want to see what it's all about. And then I was just like, damn, I still don't get it. I am broken. <laughs> that that makes. All right. So I've always kind of felt um, sort of like, wow, like I can't believe I stayed religious for so long into my life. Whereas if I had that experience, I feel like I, I would have been out way sooner because in my in my experience, it was all like fruit by the foot and roller hockey. <laughs> that was like, that's what we did for Jesus. Yeah. And so it was easy to stick around. <laughs> yeah, I guess in that way, I had it very good that it was so bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm out of here. Yeah. No, I was truly like, I'm outy. It was terrible. All I wanted, my only goal was to take a poop in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Whose goal isn't that, you know? I, I didn't eat enough to, to have my poopy in the woods. Oh, no. <laughs> well, there, there's always the future, just like the money the rich people have. Right. Uh, Maybe someday that'll that'll go to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Are you laughing because I didn't get to have my poop in the woods? No, I, I'm, I, I'm groaning at my own attempt at a segue. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciated the segue because you know what? I'll get back into it. Um, so if you look back on the path that we walked on, do you see how in the sand that there's only one set of footprints? <laughs> Well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's because I was trying to carry you to this point. Um, wealthy people who identify as Christians have tons of money to functionally like burn. So when people give to the signatory, one of the things they've decided to do is like, well, I don't want to give my money to this church or the Alliance Defending Freedom, but I want my money to go somewhere. I want my money to go to the Signatories Project, the Servant Foundation. The Servant Foundation is going to pay folks from a Christian advertising firm and pay folks from a Christian website hosting platform to create He Gets Us. That's what I want to do with my money instead of fucking paying my taxes for roads. <laughs> all right. Yes. Isn't that all like how it all comes together? Yeah. It's like, this is how you'd rather spend your money than fucking pay one ounce of taxes. Yeah. Are you kidding me? To have like a bunch of like black kids playing basketball in a commercial and be like, Jesus ran with a tough crew too. Shut up. <laughs> What's the benefit then of like, what do they care? Other than distrusting or disliking the government, what is the motivation for giving the money to uh, a signatory was that the right word the signatory yeah signatory okay signatory rather than um rather than just pay the taxes so they have actually this exact testimony on their website from a man named michael salazzo quote we know that the nonprofits that we give to are going to be far better stewards of my money than our federal and state government he just says the quiet part out loud like <laughs> but that's bullshit right so it really was, at the end of the day, it was a no-brainer. For Susanna and for me, we have an opportunity to teach our children about generosity, about, you know, giving, legacy. And so we bring our kids into discussion around our donor-advised fund. We want them to share with us what are those causes near and dear to their heart. And so we can talk together as a family, and then we can make giving decisions as a family. Um. <laughs> yes. That's a lot of words. <laughs> Do you want me to say it again slower? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Well, so I, I think a lot of it really is I don't want to give to the government. And a lot of it is, right, for Christians... I, I'm not going to paint them as like 100% of them are doing this to preserve their own wealth. Some of them do actually want to give them to causes that are giving water to places or doing good in the world. You know, like you can't be 100% cynical about it. Some of it does go to good stuff. The problem I have with it is this. They think that by putting it into an account that accrues money over time, okay, eventually that'll be even more money that we give to a nonprofit. But like people need it today. You know, like 
they're nonprofits that give tuberculosis tests to like people who don't have that. Tuberculosis being a fully curable disease that we have that millions of people still die from because they don't have tests and they don't have medicine. So if you give your money to a nonprofit that then gives a test and can give medicine, you have saved somebody's life. And they like you don't see investment returns on that. They just get to live and be alive. Like, I think it's just so cynical and like, I don't know. It's just kind of like a poison of money to be like, I'd rather have it growing in an account and nobody sees it than like giving it now and having somebody like get to live the rest of their life, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's, I think, my perspective on it. But that's just like my opinion. Um, functionally, like as a rich person and you're trying to preserve your money, like, yeah, you, you put it in the fund and then like maybe your daughter wants to start a nonprofit when she's, you know, 18 and you have now the startup cash for it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> or... You know, you are brain poisoned in the money way and you're like, well, okay, eventually someday this will be an even bigger gift, which is why I would put it in a donor advised fund. You know, Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. 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 It leaves at least least you have like some sort of access potentially to your money still rather than taxes. It's just gone. Yeah. It's just gone. And Mm -hmm. then, oh, fuck it. We have schools. Right. No. And uh, we have public schools that are teaching all of this stuff about like racism. Nah, I don't want that. Like. Yeah. Okay. I would rather not have all of those public goods because, you know, the federal government is a secular institution that is, you know, so super anti-Christian and the projects they do are, I don't know, insert any fucking Q conspiracy theory here. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why they also don't want to pay taxes. (laughs) All right. Yeah, I understand. So, do you feel like you have learned something today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had a question before. Um, so if somebody if somebody were to watch the commercial for He Gets Us yeah. and they, they go to the website and uh, they drink the Kool-Aid and they get on board um, in your research, I know this wasn't part of what you were looking up originally, sure. but in your research, do you know what then the path is for that person or if that person um, ends up benefiting from this organization uh, financially or I know maybe, yeah, okay, so financially or is it just sort of like a, like a, a guiding path sort of deal? Yeah. The he gets us is just a recruitment tool for Christianity. There is the only way that you can be like part of he gets us is you can ask them to send you he gets us merch and they'll give it to you for free so that you can be like a brand influencer for them. Okay. But you aren't paid to do that. And like their whole thing is like Jesus loved poor people and like we don't want to make money from this and like we don't want you donating to us. Like we are just here to tell you about Christianity. So there is. There's only money coming from the top, but, like, that money isn't going anywhere, you know? Like, I do – what did come up in the research and I didn't want to talk about because it, it was just, like, too much of a tangent, but the website host of hegetsus.com is Glue, G-L-O-O, which is an all-Christian, like, web design platform that offers free texting to churches. So if you're a church and you're like, I want to, like, text all my con- congregation members, if you do it through Glue, it's completely free. And then how does Glue make their money? From fucking private donor advised yeah. funds. Okay. That's like they're also funded by like the, they're funded by, um, oh, it's like the CCF. And I can't remember what CCF stands for, but it's like a Memphis based one. That's just also a donor advised fund. You know, like that is the actual works that they get out of their money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the works that the donors get from making grants to stuff. Yeah. So it's just like, it's all coming from the top there. And then you can have like Christian influencing and Christian, um, causes that are advanced in society glue is honestly really fucking cool (laughs) like if you're a christian that shit rules like a really easy to use platform look at me i'm a fucking glue sponsor 
<laughs> but I was kind of like, damn, can I pretend to be a church and get some of the benefits of glue? Because it seems great. <laughs> well, that's that's one thing I was wondering, too. Can, do you know, can people that are not a Christian organization also use things like glue? Or do you have to say, I, or do you, now, can you just say, yeah, I'm a Christian organization. I believe in God and I want to help Christians. And they give, or do you have to prove it? Do you have to be affiliated with a church or... I'm pretty sure you have to be affiliated with a church. Like mm-hmm. it's it's for ministries and for like evangelizing. So you just can't have somebody off the street, you know, saying like, oh, I, I have this company and it's a Christian company and I started it. Listen, you and I started a Christian and Christian pianos company. And the, so. So you're kind of seeing where I'm going with this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want some of that glue money. I also want some of that glue money. So I'm thinking we could get in on this. Like we are the perfect people to be able to take advantage of the Christian grifting. Should we delete this whole podcast? Holy shit. I don't even know why I hit record to start with. <laughs> But yeah, that's like basically it. I mean, unless you have more questions, I'm happy to answer them because I love talking about it. It's you so know, funny. I can't think of any now, but I'm sure something will pop in my head oh, great. later on. And I'll, yeah, I'll let you know. Oh, great. I'll be able to answer it <laughs> off mic. Um, but that's He Gets Us. That's all of this, all of the stuff you missed on your dirty little Google search. Yeah. Um, oh. And it was frustrating and annoying. And I... Like I have, I think at this point, 70 tabs open on my computer that aren't all going to make it in the sources, but it's like when you're talking about like investment or tax or whatever, they talk in these nonsensical ways. I was going to say, how dry were those two books that you read? Oh my God. So, well, actually the two books, um, are pretty good because they're talking about like a general trend of the Christian right Mm -hmm. and not like tax law and how rich people can take advantage of it. Oh, I see. You know, so those were more juicy and like pretty good. Yeah. But like the Investopedia articles, Mama, forget it. <laughs> Investopedia. You never heard of Investopedia? <laughs> Sounds saucy. <laughs> <laughs> or like uh, YouTube videos. I read the fucking IRS website. I was like literally going through tax code because I did not understand. And you know how they're like science communicators, like ASAP Science. You ever heard of them? No. Okay, well, it's like this cute little YouTube channel of like these guys who make like four minute long videos being like, here's what a protein is. And like it's on a whiteboard and it's cute. It's like science communication. Okay. I feel like there needs to be someone like that for the IRS who's doing it in like a cutesy fun way. And I'm like, ooh, brand influence. Let me get sponsored by the IRS. <laughs> I don't think they want everybody knowing all that, though. That's true. You know, They probably don't want people to know how um, unregulated donor-advised funds are or like how little oversight there is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the more they can keep people in the dark, you know, that's, that's how their businesses run. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Remember that class in high school on how to do your taxes when you get out of high school? No, nobody had it. There's a reason. <laughs> I'm so bad at doing my taxes. I- yeah, I was good at it when I only had the one form back in the day and I could just do uh, whatever like whatever the service I use online is. Mm-hmm. I use freetaxusa.com. It's free. It's not TurboTax. They don't... Oh, yeah. I used to use TurboTax. That was the one. Yeah, no, don't. And then it got too complicated. It's too complicated. It's too complicated because they try and make it too simple. They're like, here's a yes or no question. Like, do you have... Um, one big job or like three small jobs that's what i mean well i have both i don't know what to tell you that's what i mean like my 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 situation got too complicated for TurboTax just to be the easy way out Mm -hmm. now i pay somebody to do it and i have no idea what they do (laughs) no clue every year i just here's the money and then they i the money then my refund shows up in the account and i don't know what they did (laughs) i'm laughing because i remember you telling me this story this year of I know what you're going to say. Can you say it? I don't want to say it. When I tipped the person, <laughs> I think about that every day. I paid, I went, I went to the normal tax per, uh, office that I go to, but this time I had a new person who I'd never had before. And at the end they were using, um, 
the the way that you paid them they had this little terminal that you put your card in and so uh, it offers we use the same one at one of the places that i work um where it offers it gives you an option do you want a tip on this and i do you would you like to give a tip on this and i'm thinking there's no why would i tip and i don't like in the moment i said out loud to the lady do people normally tip on this knowing damn well i had been going there for years i had never left a tip and if I remember correctly, I think she had even charged me more than I was used to paying. <laughs> but she had already given me some sass when I was asking about, like, wait, can I get uh, write-offs on this or that musical instrument, stuff mm-hmm. like that, that I bought because, you know, we use those to make money with. And, and I knew I could, but I knew she had skipped over it. And I was like, wait, can I? And she gave me such attitude and such, such sass that, it, like, it made me back down. Um <laughs> And uh, and then when I, I, I said, do people normally tip on this? She said, yeah, which of course you would say, yeah, I would say, yeah, like, yeah would say give yeah. me more money. Sure. <laughs> uh, and I did it like an idiot, <laughs> but it wanted 20 percent. That was the default. And I was like, that's insane. So I only I, I did a custom amount for more. You so, did it. Uh, yeah. So I even <laughs> sat there for longer just to give her less money, but still more money than I should have. I thought you like clicked 20 percent and just like oh you're like oh 20 i didn't realize no because 20 percent was like 70 dollars or something like that so i was like i'm not giving her so i think i gave her 50 or something like that's even stupid too oh my god that's so I hate funny the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> oh well that's been busted business bureau <laughs> if you want to check out some of christian's work you can check out at cnc dueling pianos where uh the two of us do piano gigs around the city anything else you want to plug on the way out no, I think that's pretty much it. I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't think I have much else going on right now. Yep. Well, which, which is nice. I like it. I love that. Yeah. Great. Well, uh, I'll, I'll see you. I'll see you on the other side then. All right. Sounds good to me. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.